0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. It's fair to say in recent times, I'm thinking probably over the last century or so, many Christians have been lukewarm, pardon the pun, when it comes to environmental matters. Sure, there've been a few Advocacy groups, a few key groups that have been doing a lot to to work and and inform and encourage Christians to take seriously the responsibility of caring for this world. But on the whole, much of the church has been relatively quiet on these issues for some time. In many ways, in our society at least, in our modern day society, caring for this earth has become somewhat of a politicised issue or a green agenda if you think politically, um, you know something that is, to a large degree, removed from the church, from the care and concern of the church. But here's the thing. This has not always historically been the case. Historically, Christians have been incredibly active in calling others to care for all of God's creations. One of the fathers of the early church, Benedict... He was a 6th century founder of monasticism. And he encouraged his followers to be gentle and to care for the environment and particularly for animals. And John Calvin, all the way back in 1563, he wrote this in his commentary on Genesis. Let everyone regard himself as a steward of God in all things which he possesses. And now coming into A more recent time, a man by the name of Billy Graham, you might have heard of him before, the late great American evangelist, he made his views abundantly clear in terms of how he believed Christians should care for the environment when he says this. He says, of all people, Christians should be the most concerned for the environment. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? Perhaps for some of us sitting here today, that's a pretty big and confronting statement when we think about maybe where we're at on the journey of caring for this world. Now, for anyone who does know of Billy Graham, you know that he wasn't a fool. He wasn't someone who said loose words. He was someone who was very measured and considered in what he said and what he stood for. So that's good. He thought that. But what does the Bible actually say? about caring for the world in which we live? Is caring for our world just a popular modern-day construct, just an idea that our society holds to, maybe one that's heavily influenced by a green political agenda? Why should we as Christians be most concerned for the environment? Well, today, I want to dig deep into God's Word and head back to the garden like we did for communion, head back to Genesis and find out exactly what God says about caring for his creation. We're going to explore and we're going to unpack some key scriptures that, that I really believe, if we take them to heart and we allow scriptures to speak to us and guide us as followers of Jesus, that, that will encourage, inform us, and really open our eyes to, the, to what it is ultimately we have been tasked with as followers of Christ and how we, individually and collectively, are called to care for God's creation. So how about we pray as before we begin and just invite God to have his way through the words that I say, that they would not just be words, but they would be his words for each of us. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that for this beautiful world in which we live. We thank you, Jesus, that... Whilst in our modern day, it sometimes is a, seems to be like a, a green issue or a, a politicised issue about caring for our environment. And Lord, yet we know from history that the church has always been active in encouraging people to look after this world in which we live. So God, today as we open up your word to see what you say, to see what your heart is for this world and also for our part to play in it, we pray that you would speak to us through what I say so that we would be encouraged, we would be challenged, we would be stirred up where we need to be, so that we ultimately can better love you and love others through caring for this place. So we thank you, God, and we pray that you would speak powerfully to us through your word today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well. Billy Graham had scripture on his side when he suggested that Christians, of all people, should be most concerned for the environment. Why? Let's go back to the garden. Genesis 1, in the creation narrative, we come to understand that God has given us the responsibility of stewarding and caring for the beautiful world that he has created. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn there right now. And if you don't, I've got it up on the screen here for you to follow along. So let's start at the very start. Genesis 1.1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now here's one non-negotiable truth. Regardless of how you read and understand the early chapters of Genesis, it's really irrelevant. The point is, God created the heavens and the earth. God created it. God made it all. I'm sure we can all agree with this. We don't need to get sidetracked on interpretation of Genesis and all this sort of stuff. God's the creator. He did it. He created it. God created the heavens and the earth. Nothing that exists in this world exists by chance. Nothing. From the smallest grain of sand on the beach to Mount Everest. From microscopic bacteria. Doesn't that look attractive? It actually does, doesn't it? Doesn't that show that God's kind of creative? Incredible. To an enormous blue whale. God created it all intelligently and with the most beautiful and rich creativity that there ever has been. God created and, as Genesis 1.25 125 says when God was finished creating all of the natural world that we benefit from and enjoy today he what he saw that it was good and it is good isn't it it's more than good this world we live in is incredible the diversity the intricacy of of plant life and animals is remarkable The sights and the natural wonders that we enjoy here in the Yarra Valley, but if you've had the privilege of travelling anywhere in Australia or anywhere overseas, you would know that this world is incredible. The sights and sounds and wonders that God has created for us to enjoy are breathtaking. And all of it, all of it, God's wonderful creation declares that He is God. That He is God. All of what we see declares his glory. You know, David, in one of my favorite Psalms, puts it beautifully. Psalm 19, verse 1, he says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. In other words, you just got to look outside. You just got to look around you. Open your eyes and have a look to see that God is God that he created all this stuff, that he is truly good and glorious. You know, we live in a truly amazing world and we live in a truly amazing world that is a reflection of a truly amazing God. Now, here's the incredible thing and this is something that sometimes gets missed in caring for this world or focusing on this world. As good as everything is, as good as this beautiful world in which we live in is, God says that every single thing he's created, all of those amazing pictures we looked at before, all those things have absolutely nothing on us. All those things have nothing on you. When God was finished with the heavens and the earth and all the animals and plant life, God went on to his masterpiece the, the, um, the beautiful climax of his creative powers, mankind. Reading parts of Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 31. You'll see, I'm skipping through, but 26, let's read that. Then God said, let us make man in our image. You're created in God's image. So God created man And when it says man, it's mankind, humankind, male and female. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Notice the difference? All these incredible natural wonders are good. And then he created mankind, and he says what? This is very good. Good. God created us. God created you, male and female, in his likeness and looked out on his masterpiece and declared that it was very good. Not just good like the plants and the incredible animals and mountains and seas, but very good. Say this out loud to yourself right now to remind yourself. God created me and thinks I'm very good. Say it again. God created me and thinks I'm very good. Say that to yourself in the morning and I reckon it'll go well for you. It's good to remind us of that, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't feel very good, do we? Sometimes we need to remember that God has created us and He is pleased with us. And he says we are very good, no matter what we might think. Okay, so God creates the world and he created us and then, and here's the key, this is what I want to come to today from scripture, he explains super clearly, super clearly the role that we get to play in relation to this beautiful creation. In Genesis 1.28, we can read our creation job description, if you like. So let's turn there now, Genesis 1.28. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See that? God has commanded all mankind, including you and me, to have dominion over all that he has created. Now, when you think of the word dominion, what comes to mind? Anyone want to shout out a word that they can think of? Dominance, yep. Domination, for sure. Anything else? Responsibility. Responsibility. Ah, you're jumping ahead. <laughs> I, you know, I think of things like um, control, domination, ruling, power, things like that. You know, there's even movies and games that are called, you know, domination or variances on that. And it's all about having control and, and you know, just using whatever's there for your good, you know. So... The thing is here, and if we think in terms of Genesis 2, remember Genesis 1 and 2, we're still in the garden, like we sang about before, in perfection with God. It's as it should be. Come Genesis 3 and the fall, things go pear-shaped. Yeah? So keep that in mind. If we think about this word dominion, in light of what God actually tasks Adam with in the Garden of Eden, we get an understanding of what God originally intended pre-fall, right? Pre-fall, before sin entered the world when he made this commandment. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and keep it. Or as other Bible translations like the NIV put it, to work it and take care of it, to take care of God's creation. Nancy Sleeth, a Christian author, she explains what God's ideal expression of dominion is when she says this. She says, yes, God gave us dominion, but dominion should not be confused with license, i.e. doing whatever you want. Dominion implies great responsibility, responsibility, We give teachers dominion over our children when we send them to school, but we would not be pleased if at the end of the day our children came home ignorant, battered and bruised. The same principle applies to dominion over the earth. When God gave us dominion over the earth, he did not intend for us to destroy his creation. As God's appointed stewards, we can use natural resources, but not abuse them. That's really good. We are God's appointed stewards. We're called to steward and care for God's creation. It's really easy to get caught up in this, in our modern day existence, isn't it? You know, we get in a place where we think, A, because we are superior, we're created in God's image, we're superior, which is, that's true, we are. That's tick, true. But then we go on to B, and we kind of think, well, Therefore, because we are superior and, you know, all of this sort of thing, we can just sort of use creation in whatever way we see fit for, as a means to an end, you know? Like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what I do with this world or how I look after it because, you know, well, I'm here now and I don't really need to think about it, you know? It's, it's easy to sort of fall into that trap and especially with our as a consequence of the fall we don't like to think about it but as human beings our desires unless they're redeemed by god are always sinful so we we're, we're like we're we naturally wanting to exploit and use for our own good at the expense of others and at the expense of horticulture or Animal kingdom and all these kind of things as well. So, obviously, from what God has said himself in Scripture, this is not my idea, this is God's plan, this is God's desire. Obviously, just because we're superior doesn't mean we can exploit. We're actually, because we're created in God's image, we're tasked with caring for this creation on his behalf, as his stewards. And, you know, sure, we're infinitely more valuable to God than every other living thing and all that sort of thing. And I'm sorry if there's anyone here who who um, hears that and gets offended, but again, that's not me. That's what God says. God says, you are of far more value than an animal. You are of greater value than a beautiful plant. That's just how it is. That's God's heart. We are created in his image, and because of it, we are... Infinitely more valuable. Um, And if you want to know more about how Jesus kind of talks to that, check out Matthew 6, where he talks about, um, you know, saying that he won't provide for all our needs. Look at the birds of the field and that sort of thing. You are of far greater value than they. Yeah? That's one example of many. But here's the thing here's the thing with all of this. With authority comes great responsibility God commands us to care for all that he has created on his behalf and let me be clear it's a command it's not an optional oh well I have a passion for environmental issues so I'm going to care for the environment no it's actually just a command God says this is what I've asked you to do do it do it to honor me we're called to be caretakers of the world in which we live is what Billy Graham said in fleshing out his um, statement. He says, Why should we be concerned about the environment? It isn't just because of the dangers we face from pollution, climate change, irrespective of whether you believe in it, there's no doubt that our world is not like it used to be. There's issues going on. Or other environmental problems, although these are serious. For Christians, the issue is much deeper. We know that God created the world and it belongs to him, not us. Because of this, we're only stewards or trustees of God's creation and we aren't to abuse or neglect it. The Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Psalm 24, verse 1. So this, this is why of all people, Christians should be the most concerned about the environment because this world belongs to God, quite simply because this world belongs to God and God tells us to care for it on his behalf. And, you know, when we do things that God asks us to do, what happens? We actually glorify God in doing it, don't we? When God calls us to not sin in a certain way, he's not doing it to be a party pooper, he's looking out for us and as we walk in accordance with his plans, he is actually glorified. He's made to look really good. Yeah? Do you agree with that? So he commands us to care for this world, to love and glorify him. But here's the thing, not only for him, but also to love others, to love other people. By caring for the world today, by caring for the world in 2021, we are quite literally loving our brothers and sisters all over the world, who are, and even those who are not yet. You know, people, future generations of people who will walk this planet, who are still to come. By caring for God's creation, we are loving God and loving others. All right, so you might be thinking, that's great, but I'm not a hippie, Joel. I'm just not like that. I'm not a greenie, I like red meat. I'm not a veggie. I don't want to go back to a Garden of Eden, Eden sort of plant-based diet, I'm not into that. Well, I'm not suggesting that that is what you need to do. If God tells you to do it, I recommend doing it, but I'm not suggesting that that's what you need to do. Maybe um, you'd be like me and, and make an intentional choice to not eat as much red meat, knowing the effects that that has on our on our um, ecosystem and all that sort of thing. But I still eat meat. Um, The Bible says on that particular one that we are free to eat meat and we are free not to. And just like other things like alcohol or things like that, the essential rule is if you are doing something that causes someone else to sin, then you shouldn't do that something. So if you're eating meat in front of your vegetarian friends, it might not be... (laughs) <laughs> might not be something, or someone who's vegetarian but they're tempted to become tempted to eat meat or something like that, and you're not really loving them in doing that, then maybe you shouldn't do that. Just like if you were having a drink, which is nothing wrong to have a drink, I have a drink from time to time, but if you were doing it in front of someone who you knew was an alcoholic, that would actually not be loving, would it? That would actually be sinful. Yeah. Yep. Does that make sense? So, what I'm suggesting is not that we have to throw out everything that we do, or forsake a beautiful, tender steak from time to time. I'm not saying that, but what I'm suggesting is that we can all make small shifts in our lives in order to better care for God's creation, and better love God, and also love others. You know, just think in terms of our church community here, in recent years at Liberty. We've made some real shifts to better care for God's creation. You might remember a few years ago now, when our cafe area was finished and we made the decision we to do away with disposables. We just said that's it. Line in the sand. We're not having any more disposables. No disposable cups, no disposable cutlery, no disposable plates. No matter how much longer it's going to take us to wash through our pass-through dishwasher, we are going to do it. And we did that, not to annoy you, although it did initially annoy a few people, I know. But we did that in order to be better stewards of God's creation. It was an intentional shift. You know, we understood that the majority of disposables end up in landfill. That's just how it is. So we decided that we wanted to be better stewards and we made the change. And interestingly enough, you might have heard just recently that our Victorian government have announced that as of 2023, all disposables, plastic straws, plates, etc., are going to be banned. So we're ahead of the game, guys. Good job. It's fantastic. So we're well ahead of the game in caring for God's creation. What about communion? Communion is another great example. We used to throw thousands of single-use communion cups into landfill each and every year, for many years, for, for decades. So we made the strategic decision to away with those little cups and switch to glass communion cups that we can wash through our pass-through dishwasher. It was a significantly, more, um, a significantly larger financial outlay, but we've yet to break one cup, as far as I know, and, we, um, and we're, we're going to be able to use them over and over and over and over again. Was, I reckon it was a really small price to pay for being better stewards. Another thing we did was we introduced a compost bin at church. So especially when we have a a church lunch and there's all leftovers and things, it used to just go into a big plastic bag and go to landfill. But now we make sure that we put all of it in to our compost bin, mix it up, and then it goes to beautifying our garden and our area on our property. Isn't that fantastic? In recent years, we've also intentionally and strategically set aside all our scrunchables, all of our, all of our biscuit wrappers and clean Glad wrap and all these sort of things, so that we, because that, they just normally go to landfill. So we'd collect them all, and then we'd take them down to red cycle bin at Coles. Has anyone ever seen one of those? Yep. You can take them to red cycle, and then what they actually do is they pass them on to manufacturers like Re Replas, I think it is, and they make quality recycled benches like that for schools and public places. Isn't that amazing? And you know what it takes? It takes us just putting it in a different bin. That's all it takes. And then once a week or so, we take our big big lot down to Coles and chuck it in the thing. Really good. When we did our renovations, we also upgraded the majority of our, our lights to LEDs, which use significantly less power and And we are looking to replace all of these fluoros as well with LED equivalents. Again, a strategic decision to better care for our environment. And one day, which won't be too long away, but when our roof needs to be replaced, because it's getting pretty old now, we're holding off until our roof's replaced to to look at getting solar. Again, to offset a lot of our, um, our carbon footprint, I guess, and our power bills. So, you know, as a church, they're just a few of the examples, There's a few shifts that we've made, and no doubt there'll be others that we will continue to make. And the newsletter too, there you go, I like it. Not a weekly newsletter, we've just gone to a monthly, and emails, more emails than physical handouts too. So we'll continue to do that as a church community so we can better care for God's creation. All right, enough about us collectively, let's get personal, let's get personal. Where would you say you are at when it comes to caring for this beautiful creation? What sacrifices have you made and what sacrifices do you continue to make now so that this world, this beautiful world that we get to enjoy and benefit from living in will continue to be around for not just a generation but many, many generations? And it might also still be in good nick when Jesus comes back and restores it as well for us to dwell with him. You know, it could be really simple sacrifices that really don't cost a lot at all. Having a shorter shower, you know, having a five-minute shower instead of a 25-minute shower. I don't know. Collecting scrunchable plastic like, like us. If you want to collect your plastic and you can't be bothered taking it to Coles, bring it to church and put it in our bin and we'll take it to Coles for you. There you go. Maybe it's as simple as starting a compost bin as well. Making sure that everything in your bins are recycled that can be recycled. You know, I know with young kids, or it's so easy to, in the rush, just like, ah, and then before you know it, you've got things that could be recycled in, in heading to landfill. But even just that, just having a quick sift could be the way that you could play your part. Because here's the thing. When we all play our part in caring for God's world by exercising our God-given dominion in the way that God intended us to exercise it, God is glorified. You know, we love God well. And we also bless the lives of countless people, of countless people, those born and those still to be born. So we actually love others really well too. I want to encourage you today to take some time, sometime today, doesn't have to be now, just sometime today to ask God how he wants you to respond to this word today. Ask God how he wants you to respond to this message. Invite Holy Spirit to maybe plant ideas in your mind or just little simple tweaks that you could make in terms of healthier habits, healthier for you because you'll feel better about it. But also healthier for our world, um, that you might be able to adopt to p- better play your part in caring for this world. My prayer, my prayer, is that we would all become, as Billy Graham puts it, most concerned for the environment. And as we become most concerned for the environment, we would be satisfied. We would be satisfied, as Laura said this morning, we um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, John Piper, Christian hedonism. Um, But basically that we would find satisfaction from simply knowing that we are bringing honour to God and we are doing our part to love others in the world around us too. Yeah? That's my prayer for all of us. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that we are called to not exploit this world, but to care for it, to steward it, to exercise dominion in such a way that does not cause harm to this planet, um, but would cause just joy to people and um, health to this planet, Lord. So we pray, God, that as as we exercise our dominion, as your representatives created in your image, Lord, we pray that we would all play our individual part so that collectively we actually make a massive difference. We thank you, God, that even like that seashell thing of like someone walking along a beach and seeing a seashell and throwing it in and someone says, why are you doing that? That's, that's crazy. And you say, well, it's made a difference for this one. Lord, if we all make a difference by playing our bit and, and you know, recycling the one, so to speak, collectively, we actually make a big difference, Lord. And we thank you too, Lord, for the, the positive fruit that has come from our world adopting a greater care for our environment, because now our children, our next generations, are getting discipled, so to speak, in better caring and stewarding the resources that we have. So, Lord, we pray that we might all play our part in loving you and loving others by embracing our roles as your representatives here, the responsibility that we have to care for this creation. So God, speak to us, guide us, encourage us in this, stir us in this, God, so that we can glorify you and we can be super satisfied knowing that you are pleased with us and that we've played our part in caring for this beautiful world. So we pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.